Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Welcome to the show. We are honored you are here. As we talk about today, we've gotten this question, I mean, quite a bit, and we've wondered it ourselves. Like, does the government profit off of student loans, really? So let's dig into it a little bit. Kind of depends on who you ask. <laughs> you know, the federal government either earned a profit or lost money on federal student loans prior to the pandemic. The answer really depends on political and accounting perspectives. Doesn't that seem to be the case for most things in the government? I don't know. During the pandemic, however, the payment pause and interest waiver has caused the federal government to lose money, naturally, on federal student loans, regardless of the method used to calculate the subsidy rates. By foregoing nearly $5 billion a month in interest, are you kidding me? The federal student loan program swung from a profit to a loss, even in the midst of the most optimistic of projections. Let's take a little tour, shall we, of how the federal government's budget calculates the subsidy rates for various federal programs. But before we do this, let's review the concept of net present value accounting. Welcome to Accounting 101, folks. Well, first of all, what is net present value? When a loan program generates revenue over time, you can evaluate the total income of the program by calculating the current value of future income. Income includes not just future interest payments, but also future payments of principal. So a very simplistic approach is to just sum the future payment amounts. But future dollars are worth less than current dollars, in part because of inflation. A more sophisticated approach calculates the present value of the future payments by discounting it. So, for example, if the annual inflation rate is 5%, a dollar one year from now has the same buying power as 95 cents today, and a dollar two years from now is worth slightly less than 91 cents today. Shoo! So the cumulative impact is calculated based on a product of each year's discounted value. The present value will depend on the choice of discount rate. Common choices include the inflation rate, and a risk-free rate of return. The yield on U.S. Treasuries of a comparable maturity is often used as risk-free rate of return since investments in U.S. Treasuries are low risk. In effect, the present value is the amount you would need to invest now in a risk-free environment investment to yield the future stream of loan payments. But there are often... Uh, Philosophical differences in the choice of a risk-free rate of return. The Federal Credit Reform Act of 1990, remember that one, specifies the methodology that must be used in the federal budget. Some people, however, argue that the discount rate is just too low. They advocate for the use of fair value accounting, FVA, which uses a higher discount rate because it considers market risk. But, Government programs are not subject to the same risks as commercial programs. Curiously, proponents of fair value accounting are often selective in the choice of programs for which they feel FVA should be used. So the debate seems more political than policy-driven. 
a higher discount rate reduces the value of the future income by more than a lower discount rate. After you subtract the costs from the present value of the future income, you can swing it from a profit to a loss or vice versa, depending on the choice of discount rate. So what does the federal budget say? The education appendix to the federal budget includes an analysis of the student loan program costs, referred to as subsidies. It includes actual figures for the previous year and estimates for the current year and the next year. The subsidy costs are broken down by type of loan, including new subsidized federal direct Stafford loans, unsubsidized federal direct Stafford loans for undergraduate and graduate students, new federal direct parent plus loans, and federal direct grad plus loans, as well as federal direct consolidation loans. There is also an overall loan subsidy figure plus an overhead figure for federal administrative costs. This table shows the actual subsidy costs from the federal budget for the last several federal fiscal years. Positive numbers indicate a net cost, while negative numbers indicate a net profit. The program costs are expressed as percentages. For example, a cost of 2% means it costs the federal government $2 over the life of the loan on a net present value basis for every $100 borrowed. The federal direct loan program swung from a profit during the Obama administration to a loss during the Trump administration. The loss increased significantly in FY 2020, fiscal year 2020, of course due to the payment pause and interest waiver during the pandemic. Subsidized Stafford loans always have a net cost because of the cost of the subsidized interest benefit. Parent plus loans are usually profitable due to higher interest rates and lower default rates, compensating for losses in all the other loan programs, basically. There's a chart, if you want to see it, that goes through fiscal year 2020 all the way back to 2013, so you can kind of see the profit and losses of the federal government during that time. The subsidy costs are based, in part, on interest and fees, the length of the average loan maturity, default rates, defaults net of recoveries, and the recovery rate. The average loan maturity for fiscal year 2022 is 17 years, with a weighted average interest rate of 4.68%, average loan fees of 1.31%, a lifetime default rate of 19.13%, and a recovery rate of 104.74%. So the net recovery rate for defaulted loans is about 80 to 85 cents on the dollar after subtracting collection costs. The recovery rate is much higher than for commercial loans, in part because the federal government has very strong powers to compel repayment, <laughs> including administrative wage garnishment, offset of income tax refunds, and offset of Social Security benefit payments. The program costs must be periodically re-estimated, in part because of changes in interest rates and other assumptions. The re-estimates are usually higher than the original subsidy rates. So... Even if the loan program initially looks like it yields a profit, it may ultimately yield a net cost after the program costs are re-estimated. The focus of federal student loan programs is on enabling students to pay for a college education and not to provide profit to the federal government. So what does all the money go to? 
Borrowers often wonder how the U.S. Department of Education spends the interest that borrowers pay on federal student loans in the direct loan program. $5 billion a month, mind you. Most of the money goes to cover the costs of making, servicing, and collecting the student loans, as well as defaults, discharges, and loan forgiveness. Federal student loans are funded by issuing U.S. Treasuries, which is money borrowed from investors. The federal government must pay interest on the treasuries. So, part of the interest that borrowers pay covers the cost of the funds that are used to make the loans. There's also a fee paid by the U.S. Department of Education to the U.S. Department of the Treasury to cover the cost of issuing and administering the U.S. Treasuries. Loan servicers are paid a fee to service federal student loans, of course. So servicing loans includes originating the loans, keeping track of them, communicating with borrowers, mailing out statements, all the customer service stuff with all the call centers, processing payments, following up with delinquent borrowers, <laughs> and even complying with federal laws and regulations. There's a ton that goes into it. The loan services are paid on a unit cost basis, where they are paid a fixed amount per borrower, depending on the repayment status of the borrower's loans. The servicing fees can range from $0.45 cents to $2.85 per borrower per month. Subsidized interest benefits, where the federal government pays the interest on subsidized federal direct Stafford loans during the in-school and grace periods, as well as periods of authorized deferment, reduce the interest revenue that the federal government would otherwise receive. In addition, interest was waived on federal student loans held by the U.S. Department of Education during the COVID-19 pandemic. Federal student loans have much higher default rates than private student loans, in part because federal loans are not co-signed and are made to borrowers without regard to credit scores or debt-to-income ratios, etc. Even with a high recovery rate, there's still a cost associated with collecting a defaulted loan, and the net revenue is lower than for borrowers whose loans are current. The average amount collected, after subtracting collection costs, of course, is less than the amount owed. Very interesting. And then there's loan forgiveness programs and discharge programs that reduce the interest and principal paid on the canceled student loan debt. And lastly, there's also administrative overhead for U.S. Department of Education staff who provide oversight over the loan servicers and collection agencies. There's a lot that goes into it. If there were a profit on federal student loans, by the way, the net revenue would be used to defray the cost of other federal student aid programs, such as the Pell Grant, work-study programs, and those types of things. So when federal legislation involves a reduction in the cost of federal student loan programs, Congress often uses the savings to justify increased spending in other parts of the U.S. Department of Education budget. Well, is that clear as mud now? I hope so. Anyway, I hope that was helpful, at least provided some insight on answering that question that we receive all the time. If you want to dig a little bit deeper, again, there's the, a chart that you can see as well to dive into the numbers. It's all there for you at thecollegeinvestor.com. Thanks again for stopping by today, and we'll talk to you again real soon.